Well, good morning, Vista. Thank you for tuning in again uh, to worship with us. As always, we're really glad uh, to have you with us today. Um, If we have not met, again, my name is Dave. Um, I'm one of our lead pastors, and again, it's great to have you with us. If um, we're going to be jumping around a little bit this morning in God's Word, um, we're continuing in our series, Did God Really Say? Um, And today, we're going to be asking ourselves the question, did God really say that you should never judge anyone? Did God really say you should never judge anyone? Of course, this comes from Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. It is a really short verse. It's only seven words long, uh, but it might be the most misquoted or misunderstood verse in all of the Bible, particularly even among non-Christians. Um, I, uh, I did a wedding for a young couple in our church a few weeks ago, and um, at this wedding, at this particular venue, um, I met this wedding coordinator, really nice, uh, really nice lady, um, and she was, uh, she, was, she was, her and her family were immigrants from Syria. They were not Christians, um, but she was unbelievably sweet. We, we, we had a great conversation. In the course of our conversation, um, she thanked me for being, for being nice and being kind to her and for not being judgmental. And that stood out to me that she specifically said that, that I was not judgmental. And so we got to talking a little bit about faith, and she was pretty adamant. She doesn't believe in, um, in the God that I believe in. She doesn't worship the God I, I worship, and she doesn't believe in the Bible as I believe the Bible Um, But she did know that early on in the New Testament, Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. Um, She specifically said, uh, so many Christians I meet are so judgmental. Um, Doesn't the Bible say, don't judge? And I just thought that was really interesting that here we have a lady uh, who was not a believer in Jesus at all, uh, did not believe in the Bible, does not believe in the Bible at all, and yet she knew that particular verse or that particular phrase that, that we should not judge. Um, and I thought how interesting and how, how ironic that is, that even among non-Christians who may not believe the Bible at all, they know this sort of fundamental idea that we should not be judgmental. Um, and, and so we live in a world really where Fundamentally, people just believe that no one should judge them for anything they do, anything they say, that, uh, anything about the way they live their life. For you to pronounce a judgment of any kind on anyone is, is considered wrong. And so Matthew 7, 1 gets thrown out there all the time as this uh, statement from Jesus, um, almost to say that we should tolerate everything. And so the question really for us this morning is, is that what Jesus had in mind? Is that really what Jesus meant in Matthew 7, 1, when he said, judge not? Well, as uh, we look through Scripture um, and try to unpack and try to understand what it is that Jesus was getting at, uh, there's a couple of things we need to do. And one of those is we have to look at what the rest of Scripture says. Um, whenever there's a difficult phrase or a difficult statement or a confusing statement, one of the things that we need to do is make sure we look at what the rest of God's Word says and not just one specific spot. And so we need to look at the totality of God's Word um, to understand what the Bible, what God really has to say to us about judgment. And I find it interesting that for all the people that know Matthew 7-1, which says judge not, uh, very few people actually quote, you know, a few verses later, For example, Matthew 7, verse 20, 
where Jesus says, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. He actually says that twice in verse 16 and in verse 20. Jesus says, when you're looking at these false teachers, there's got to be a certain amount of judgment that goes on there because how are you going to recognize someone by their fruits if you're not judging their fruits, right? So Jesus seems to indicate just a few verses later in the same sermon that we should judge. That seems to require some judgment, right? Over in John chapter 7, verse 24, again, the words of Jesus, John's gospel, the words of Jesus Chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says, Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Judge with right judgment. So there we have Jesus clearly saying there's a a right kind of judgment, right? If we go on uh, farther into the New Testament, one thing you'll see over and over and over again in the Apostle Paul's letters is uh, Paul will, will tell the church that they need to rebuke and correct wayward, wayward believers, wayward Christians. And so again, that requires a certain judgment. If you're going to correct or if you're going to rebuke someone that has fallen away or wayward, you have to judge them in some way. And so as we walk through the rest of the Bible, there seems to be an indication from Jesus himself even that there is a right kind of judgment and there is a wrong kind of judgment. And that really is what we should be asking ourselves when it comes to did God really say you should never judge anyone, the question really is how do we judge rightly according to Jesus? How do we judge rightly? Well, in addition to looking at what the rest of the Bible has to say on a particular matter, the other thing that we should always concern ourselves with is the context in which a statement was made or a verse verse is made. So we got to look at context. Context is super important. You cannot take Matthew 7, 1 and sort of just pull it away from the sermon, pull it away from the rest of the teaching of Jesus in that same block. Because when you do that, you, you again, you take it completely out of the context in which Jesus was talking. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, it falls in this large block of teaching. It's actually the largest block of teaching we have from Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's the largest, again, uh, teaching or sermon uh, that Jesus, um, that we have straight from Jesus. And so we've looked at a few verses after Matthew 7, 1. um, But right before chapter 7, of course, is chapter 6. And again, I would remind you that chapter and verse designations didn't come along until many, many years later. So this was really uh, just a a transcript originally of, of Jesus preaching, teaching this particular sermon. And so we, right before we get to chapter 7, verse 1, which is the, the verse in question, let's look at some things in chapter 6 leading up to that. For example, in chapter 6, verse 2, Jesus says this, "'Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may be praised by others.'" Truly. I say to you, they have received their reward. Now look at verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Now look over at verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. 
For they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Listen, the context of what Jesus seems to be talking about in in the Sermon on the Mount right here is hypocrisy. Jesus is talking way more about hypocrisy than he is about judgment. Jesus seems to be attacking this idea of hypocrisy. Then we get to chapter 7, and I'll read verses 1 through 5. Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure uh, you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? Verse 5, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So again, in context, Jesus is is teaching this Sermon on the Mount. And over and over and over again, right before Matthew 7-1 and right after Matthew 7-1, Jesus seems to be attacking this idea of hypocrisy. Of hypocrisy. And so really the first point when it comes to right judgment is this, that right judgment should be without hypocrisy. Right judgment should be without hypocrisy. And what that means is that we don't look um, at the sin in other people and judge them before we've taken a look in our own lives to see what struggles we have. This is the big idea Jesus is attacking. He's talking about the religious, man. When the religious, they give to the needy, they do their mission work, they want to be seen by everyone so that everyone can go, man, they are amazing. Uh, when they pray, they want to be heard and seen by everyone so people can look at, look at them and listen to their prayers and think, man, how, how spiritual are they? Right? Whenever, whenever they do anything, it's usually for the eyes of other people. And in the same way, he's saying when it comes to judgment, uh, people like to be heard, pronouncing their judgments. But he says, wait a minute, you need to take a look at your own life. You need to take a look at your own sin, your own struggle. Right judgment should be without hypocrisy. That's, that's the first thing. That's the first thing. And just, um, just to kind of back this up, I would also remind you that the Apostle Paul uh, says very much the same thing over in Romans chapter 2. I'll just uh, share it with you really quickly. In Romans 2 verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul then writing, he says, therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself Because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. So you have the Apostle Paul agreeing with the very words of Jesus back in the Sermon on the Mount. That to pronounce judgment on other people while you yourself are doing, participating in the same things is hypocrisy. And that's both what Jesus and the Apostle Paul were attacking when it comes to judgment. The same same thing. So, again, right judgment should be without hypocrisy. That's number one. Uh, Number two, right judgment doesn't hold believers and non-believers to the same standard. Look with me, if you would, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. Again, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Okay, um, and again, the church in Corinth, we've talked a lot about this over the last several months. We actually went through 1 Corinthians um, several months back, 
And so you might remember it was a pretty messed up church. Um, they were a lot of divisiveness and fighting. Um, they were also very judgmental. They were very judgmental, uh, specifically to outsiders. They kind of looked down their noses on outsiders. And so Paul writes here in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12, he says, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? So very clearly, the Apostle Paul is instructing the church, telling them they're not to judge those outside of the church, but rather their attention, their focus should be on those inside the church when it comes to judgment, right? When it comes to judgment. Um, One way to say that is that we've got to stop judging non-family members as if they are family. That's one of the big problems Christians often get labeled as judgmental. It's because what happens is we're overstepping our bounds a little bit. We're overstepping our bounds. And when we overstep our bounds, we just, be, we just come across as very judgmental people. And so the illustration I would give, I could say something like, um, you know, in my, in my home with my boys, we have certain rules. We have certain rules regarding behavior. We have certain rules regarding uh, our, our words. There's, there's words we use, there's words we don't use. There's, word, there's ways we act and treat one another. There's ways we do not act and we do not treat one another. We have rules, um, whether it's like our dinner table or, or, or whatever it may be. Just like you and your family, I'm sure you have some rules in your, in your family. But let's say as my boys go to school or they interact with their friends in other, in other, whether it's through sports or other things they're doing, if they came home and they just constantly tattled on all their friends, you know, and expected me somehow to, to call or to discipline or to correct all of their friends' behavior. You know, Dad, uh, my, friend, my friend Bobby said this at school. Can you, can you call him and, and get on to him? Hey, Dad, my friend, my friend Carl, man, he did this. Can you, can you call him and take care of that? Again, the answer would be no. That would be silly. I do not have the authority to, to discipline and correct and parent everyone else's children. That's not my role, right? In fact, I would get into a lot of trouble if I tried to do that. I would be overstepping my bounds if I tried to correct the behavior and the words of every one of my boy's friends because they're not in my family. They're not in my family. And in the same way, that's kind of the trouble we get in as a church. When we decide we're going to judge all the outsiders, we're going to hold the outsiders to the same standard that we hold insiders to, we get into all kinds of trouble. We get into all kinds of trouble. And so we've just got to be careful that we don't, um, we don't hold non-family members to the same standard that we hold those inside the family. Make no mistake, if you're a member, if you're a part of the church, if you're a family member here, there is a certain standard that you should want us to hold you to. That's called accountability, right? It's called accountability. And hopefully you have people around you, brothers and sisters in Christ, that love you enough to hold you accountable, to hold you to that standard. And that's what Paul's getting at in 1 Corinthians. He's saying, listen, church, you ought to hold those in the family accountable. You ought to judge, if you will, those insiders, but we need to make sure we're not pronouncing those judgments on outsiders. To be very, very clear, the Bible over and over and over again is very clear about our posture towards outsiders. Our posture towards outsiders should be that we love them and we constantly point them to Jesus. And then it's our prayer that Jesus bring the conviction and bring the change in their life that is needed. 
That is our position. That is our posture towards outsiders. It's one of love. We use the phrase around here all the time, loved, welcomed, and wanted. We want people that come here to feel loved, welcomed, and wanted because we understand that on any given week, there are, there are outsiders, there are non-family members that, that walk in these doors or that um, get online and engage in our content. And we want them to feel loved, welcomed, and wanted no matter where they've been, no matter what they've done, no matter what sort of skeletons or baggage is in their closet. We want them to feel loved, welcomed, and wanted. And so our posture towards them is to make them feel loved, welcomed, wanted, ultimately to point them, introduce them to Jesus, and then it's our prayer that Jesus does the work that only Jesus can do and changes hearts and lives. Judgment for us comes in with insiders because we hold family members to a higher standard. So, number one is that right judgment should be without hypocrisy. Number two, right judgment doesn't hold believers and non-believers to the same standard. And then my final point, point number three, is that right judgment is discerning or distinguishing, it's not condemning. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Right judgment is discerning or distinguishing, it is not condemning. That word judge, it can mean um, a, a final condemnation, right? It can mean sort of a final condemnation. So a lot of people, when they think about standing uh, before Jesus one day, standing before God one day, um, that's kind of the idea, that's kind of the, uh, the judgment that is thought of. This, that, that God is going to pronounce some sort of final condemnation on someone's life, okay? But that word judge, it can also mean to discern or to distinguish, right? It can just mean to discern or to distinguish. And I would argue, whether we look at the words of Jesus or the words of the Apostle Paul throughout the New Testament, that it is always, um, it is always the, the, the latter that both Jesus and Paul have in mind, not the former, okay? So in other words, when Jesus and Paul speak of judgment, specifically judgment of other people, they are always talking about a discerning or a distinguishing, uh, again, their, their fruit or their actions, not a final condemnation. It seems clear that to pronounce a final condemnation is not our, it's not our role. It's never our role. Um, a couple things I would say to point this out. In Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, verse uh, 37, this is Luke's account of Jesus saying um, really the same thing that we looked at in Matthew. But he adds a little, there's a little, a little something added to it. So in Luke chapter uh, 6, verse 37, Jesus says, Judge not, and you will, you will not be judged. Then he says this, Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. And so again, it's the same judge not, but it's almost like Luke adds this emphasis right after that to say, Condemn not not. That, that condemnation is not our, it's not our place. And so that's not what Jesus means by, by judgment, Con- condemnation. Um, I would say that even when it comes to um, judging of believers inside the church, even when it comes to judging Christians, Christians judging Christians, that um, the goal of Christian judgment when it's necessary among believers is restoration, not condemnation, Okay. Look with me, if you would, at Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. The last text we'll look at. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. 
This is one of the places in the New Testament where Paul is saying that we should, again, correct or rebuke those that are wayward, those that are falling away, and so which, again, requires judgment. It requires some sort of judgment to distinguish or discern the actions of another. But here's what he says. Brothers, so again, that's insiders. That's not outsiders. That's insiders. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Okay? So, in the church, when a brother or sister in Christ is caught in a transgression, there's some sin in their life of some sort. Again, for you to even acknowledge that requires some judgment. It requires some discerning and some distinguishing their actions a little bit. He says, you who are spiritual, when that's the case, should then restore him in a spirit of gentleness. The goal of Christian judgment, again, it's always restoration, not condemnation. It's always restoration, not condemnation. Even our judgment, when we, when we have to judge as Christians, should be seasoned with grace rather than hostility and malice towards someone. That even judgment, our hope, our prayer, is that that Christian brother or sister would be restored to the family of God. That seems to be even the bigger purpose in judgment is restoration, not condemnation. So make no mistake, did God really say that you should never judge anyone, anytime, for anything? Is, was Jesus trying to get at this idea that we should just be tolerant of everything and let everything go? Well, of course not. Of course not. I think that as we look at the context and as we look at the rest of what the New Testament says, what Jesus himself seemed to indicate is that there's a right way to judge and there's a wrong way to judge. And we need to be people that judge rightly. To judge rightly, we need to judge without hypocrisy. We need to pay attention to our own lives before we try to look at the lives of other people. We need to not hold believers and non-believers to the same standard. We're to judge and look at those inside the church and help hold accountable. We're not to pronounce judgment and judge those outside the church. We're to love them and point them to Jesus. And then finally, when we judge, it is discerning, it is distinguishing, it's never condemning. It's never condemning. It's always with a hope that that person would come back into the family of God. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we're grateful today um, that you have been so good to us, that you have not condemned us. And so, Father, we pray that as we, um, God, as we just think about our own hearts and our own lives, that we would just be grateful, Father, for the fact that, that you have not condemned us and, and that, God, as we, as we think about other people, friends, family, coworkers, um, God, that we would also not be, not, we would not be condemning as well. Father, I pray that we would remember that even when we judge, that we would do so with just a spirit of discerning and distinguishing, not a spirit of condemnation. God, that as we hold brothers and sisters accountable, that we would always have in mind restoration and drawing them and bringing them back into the family of God. Father, I pray that, um, 
you would remind us of our posture towards outsiders. God, that our posture towards outsiders would be one of love and grace. That would be one where they are welcomed into the family. And then, God, we trust that you would do the work that only you can do in bringing any conviction or change in that person's heart and life. God, I pray that we would not be judgmental people. That first and foremost, we would be loving people, graceful people. And I pray, God, that we would judge rightly when you call us to do so. We pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen.